glad you're here with us at Legacy. Uh, we're excited to worship the Lord with you. What we're going to do today is, is uh, like we do most days, uh, we're going to start off with the one song, and then we're going to hear a sermon, we're going to hear the word, and then uh, after that, we're going to do the rest of our music set. So if you're thinking, uh, why are they only doing one song? It's because we're doing some later. So if you guys would go ahead and stand up with us, and you can join us uh, in this song to start out our worship and set our hearts right on the Lord.
you that we can sing that, that we can arise and go to Jesus, and that as we go to Jesus, that he freely embraces us, that he, he, he runs to us even, and he holds us in his arms. Father, I pray that this morning you would help us to see that we are poor and needy. We are in much need of grace and love. God, we are in much need of you. So God, help us to come before you in that position and posture of neediness, understanding that it's a good thing that you are a good father that is ready and free to give of yourself. Help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. Welcome. You may be seated. Uh, today we have a, a special day. Later on in the service, we're going to have a baby dedication. So we've got some uh, family here uh, with, with some of our partners visiting. So welcome this morning. Uh, and I'm sure there's a couple of other visitors here, so welcome. We do have some visitor cards for those of you that are, are uh, looking to maybe be a part of, of, of a church here in Knoxville. If you would, fill that out and just let us know how we can serve you and help you. We would love to do that. Um, so welcome. Welcome to Legacy Church this morning. Uh, so I do want to go ahead and set you up for today's, today's sermon and today's time of worship. So to, we're going we're gonna to finish out the psalm series. It's on anthem. Uh, songs of praise to God through so many different types of emotions. Some of them are praise. Some of it's lamentation. Some of it is, is lots of things that uh, 
are not coming to my mind right now, but Luke has done an incredible job walking us through it. And honestly, this series has been something where I've heard multiple people say that particular psalm helped me out a lot. It helped me to not feel bad about the fact that I feel like David during that time, or I don't feel bad because of this. And actually, actually I have doubts about this, and I, and I need hope. And so that's something that, that Luke has, has led us in and helped us as a church to see, to see that we, we are normal people, and it is okay to, to realize the fact that we live in a broken world. And we are broken people. Those of us that are believers, we're broken people held together by Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to finish out the anthem series today. And by way of doing that, we're going to enter into a few songs in a time of prayer and praise together. So I want a few of you to start thinking of some corporate prayer time. I'm going to invite us in as a congregation. I'm going to invite you in, men, women, to actually pray out loud here in a little while. You don't have to, but I'm going to invite you into that. So go ahead and, and put that hat on a little bit so you're not thrown off too much. And I'll lead us when it gets to that time. But just a time for our church to actually pray together uh, out loud. Uh, a few weeks ago we did that. Luke led us and we got in groups and we prayed. And I just think that's something really sweet and special for us to do as a church. But as you're going to see in the psalm today, uh, we, we need to pray. We need to pray, and we need to celebrate. And so, let's, let's jump into this psalm. Psalm 88. If you have your Bibles, your devices, turn to Psalm 88. If not, it's going to be right up here on the screen. Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from, that, from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me, you have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness and abandon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Or are your righteousness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness. But I, O oh Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, 
I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You've caused my beloved and my friends to shun me. My companions have become darkness. There's no upswing. That's the period. That's, that's the end of Psalm 88. I think this is, for me, the most depressing Scripture besides just the crucifixion. And yes, there's a lot of other things, but just when you read this, you're, you're, you're looking for, you're hoping for something, but there's, there's not much. There's not much. So let's walk through this together. Why, oh Lord, would you... Would you allow this to be included in your holy word? God is loving and gracious for, for his church, for his bride. Let me pray. God, I pray that you would incline your ear to us. God, I pray that you would use me as your child, as your servant, to encourage your bride today. Father, would you lift us up? Would you help us? God, we need you. I pray for the hurting. I pray for those that feel that they are among the dead. God, would you speak to them in a way that, uh, that I can't? Would you speak to them in a way that not only can you do that, but that is what you do. You come in to dead hearts and make them alive. You come into situations that seem dead and hopeless, and you make them alive. We need you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a psalm of lament. If you didn't catch on to that, this is a song of crying out. This is a psalm of deep, deep pain and hurt. When I was looking at different commentaries, uh, I just want to read something to you about the, this, not this particular psalm, but about laments and, and crying out to God. The laments in Scripture do more than just, they're more than just painful emotions. The Psalms of a Lament, in particular, they go further than just releasing pent up emotions. It's not just, I, I've got this pain in me and I just want to say something out loud. That's a catharsis. It's different things that, that we can release, and God is gracious. God is gracious in His design of us that there are certain things that, even just by saying things and talking things out, we're going for a run. There's just certain things that we can, we can experience life and do things that there's a, there's a certain release. But, but they're more than just that. These types of psalms and laments, there's theology, there's doxology. It's a form of worship. They're reminders of truth. They're exercises of faith. They're transformative for the believer. And there's much we can learn from them. Nearly all of the, lament, the laments, they move from a negative to a positive. But not this one. This lament, it starts with the positive, and then it just goes to the depths, and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper, and then it moves on to Psalm 89. There's not resolution. So this is a pain, this deeper 
than a lot of our normal pains. Some of us haven't experienced this type, this type of depth. But this psalm is different. It leaves us in the darkness with this brother. It's, this, is not, this is not David. This is He-Man, which, look, it's his name. Probably say it differently, but when I see it, it's like He-Man, okay. Uh, that's a cartoon from the 80s. A guy that when you look at, he is nothing but a man's man. He is a guy that, you know, raises his sword and says, by the powers of Grayskull, you know, I have the power, and he slays every beast. This doesn't sound like the he-man I grew up with. He's deep, deep in pain and in darkness, and he's crying out from his youth. And there's not resolution for him. This is a psalm of heavy and burdened petition in which so much crying has happened that his eyes just can't cry anymore. Some of you can relate to that. You know what it's like to cry and cry a little bit more. And it's just like I don't even, I don't even have enough tears anymore. And it actually becomes painful. That's where he is with this. He doesn't start out when he says, my cry. This is more of his cry. Because he gets into this verse later, and it's like, my eyes are, basically, my eyes are dry. I have no more tears within me. I'm in the depths of depth. This is a cry to be lifted out of soul trouble. Most of us understand what it's like to be in, in regular trouble that causes us to be anxious and maybe depressed. This is a depression, the anxiety is in here, but this is a depth that goes even deeper. This isn't just mind trouble, normal life circumstance trouble. This is soul trouble. He is aching in the depths of his soul, and he's confused. This is a cry for life to be restored to his soul, a cry for strength, a cry to not be forgotten. A cry to be lifted up out of the dark and deep places he has been in for a long time. A cry for God's wrath to be lifted from him. One interjection in a lot of these prayers, we can't necessarily look for correct theology or not. This is somebody that is saying, your wrath is upon me. We don't know the workings going on. We don't even know his situation. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if this is discipline. We don't know if this is this is really God's wrath. Theologically, I would say something here in a little bit that we'll get to. Is that God is withholding His wrath from this man. But that's what He feels. That's what He feels. It's a cry. It's a cry for God's wrath to be lifted from Him. A cry from the endless waves of God's wrath. So not only does He feel like God's wrath is upon Him, but it's like waves. It's like He's out in the deep, deep depths of the ocean of God's wrath in the waves and he looks up and he can see the shore barely. He doesn't even remember what it's like to not be in this situation. But the waves just keep coming upon him and pounding him wave after wave after wave. God, would you lift your waves? He might even be saying, would you just give some calmness, calmness to your wrath at least don't let it be so heavy. A cry for friends who truly love him. A cry for any kind of friend, really. 
He's alone. A cry for escape. A plea of hope with hands lifted up and spread out. Every day, every day he calls upon God. It's a plea of hope. It's a plea of hope. So here's, a, here's the slimmest glimmer, the slimmest glimmer of, of, of sunshine shining in. And if we were to say that to his face, he's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. It's like, well, here's a little bit. Here's a little bit of hope, maybe. He's got, he's got his hands lifted up and spread out, and every day he calls upon, upon God. It's a plea of hope that God would work wonders among the dead. So there's a little bit of resolve. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm in the depths. I'm down here among the dead. So at least, is there any hope down here? Is there any hope when I'm walking around with maybe even other people that are just so depressed and so burdened? Is there any hope down here? Can you work wonders down here? If so, I'm okay to stay down here. But would you do something? Because we feel as if we're already dead. A plea of hope that praise could return to his lips. A plea of hope that God's love and faithfulness could be declared among the lowest and heaviest of hearts. There's a plea of hope for God's wonders to be known and for his righteousness to not be forgotten. And he has questions. A question of confusion. Why, God? Why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? It's a confession of helplessness and feeling utterly destroyed. Flooded and feeling as if he has already drowned. A cry for human companionship by the hand of God. Our psalm comes to us today really without the sunshine breaking in. The sunshine's not breaking in for this man. But he has resolve. He has resolve to pray. The hope, the hope that we have begins at 1 and 2, and then it's, it just feels done. But verse 1 and 2, O Lord, God of my salvation. <laughs> so after we read everything he's gone through, he still says, but Lord, God of my salvation. That should, that should, that should confuse us. It should blow our minds because I know a lot of us and I know the situations that we've been in and gone through. And I'll be the first one to tell somebody that's suffering and says, oh yeah, but that doesn't compare to the people in, in China being persecuted. I'll be the first one to jump in and say, yet, yeah, your suffering's real. Don't, don't diminish your suffering. Let's talk about it. Be okay. Let's talk about this. Yeah, yeah, you don't have a gun to your head. But, it's, but when we get here with him, and he says, oh, God of my salvation, and we know what he feels like, we know where he is, we don't know why he's there, we don't know what's going on. We, we learn from a brother. We learn from somebody. We learn that he believes that his salvation is found in God. 
we see that he knows very clearly that yes, I still desire for there to be some type of salvation here. I desire to be released from this trouble, this anxiety, this depression, these depths, the feeling of death. I want to be released from this. But oh God of my salvation, oh God of my salvation, I incline my ear to you. So two things. He knows and he's trusting in the promises of God. The promises of God that one day there will be a Savior. One day there will be a coming Messiah. He's putting his hope there. He also knows that God hears him because he's a child of God. God, I know you hear me. I know you hear me. We accuse God sometimes, and and I can be okay with that with brothers, that God doesn't hear me and he doesn't care. Because that's a moment to come in and say, no, he does hear you, he does care. Let's walk through that. I know you feel that way. But here's a guy that knows that God hears him. And he's saying, please keep hearing me. Incline your ear to me. And he prays day and night, day and night, day and night from his youth up. So we're left without resolution. But are we? Are we left without resolution? There's other scriptures that kind of end a little bit where it seems like there's no resolution. So I want to pause for a second and hit one of those passages. When we, when we look at Luke 15, which we're not going to open up the word right now, but Luke 15, uh, verse 11 through 32, it's the story of, of two brothers. There's one brother that says, Dad, give me my inheritance. Give it to me now. Which is basically saying, God, it's basically saying, Dad, I don't love you. I don't love the way of our culture. I don't care for you in in the normal way for me to receive my inheritance. I want it now. And in that culture, the dad would have had the right to go ahead and beat his son even to death for that, that type of just not respecting his father. But the dad says, here you go. And he goes, this is a story that Christ shares. It's a parable. He goes and squanders that money. He gets in the depths of the sin. He comes back. The father sees him coming. The father lifts up his, his tunic and runs to the son. Well, there's another brother that stayed around. He was there. He pleased his father. He did the right things. And it was good. It was good in the, in, the, in the sense of, I'm here. I'm here for you, Dad. Let's do this. The dad goes out to the, the older son. Well, first the dad goes out to the servants and says, hey, my son has returned. Kill the fatted calf. Let's do this. And we're going to celebrate. And it says the servants did all those things. And the next sentence says, and they came in and they celebrated. But then the dad is like, where's the older son? So the dad goes out into the garden goes out into the field, finds the older son and says, son, your brother is home. Your brother is home. We're having a party. He is back. Come into the celebration. He shares the same thing that he shared with the servants. He shares it with the older brother. The servants, it says, they came in and celebrated. After the invitation to the older son, there's a period and it goes on to the next story. We're left not knowing what the older son does. We're left not knowing what he does. John MacArthur takes some some creative liberty and says, Jesus was sharing this. Well, this is the truth. Jesus was sharing this with the religious people. 
the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's sharing it with these people, saying, you're the older brother here. You're the one that's not celebrating over these people coming to Christ. You're not celebrating at people wanting to, to know who God is. You're not celebrating. You need to come into this. John MacArthur says, it's left undone, but this is what happens in the story. Because it's to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He says, well, in this story, if we're sticking to it, the older son, he doesn't go into a party. What he does, he goes and gets a two-by-four, and he kills his dad. He says, because that's what the Sadducees and the Pharisees do with Jesus. They invite, Jesus invites them in, and they crucify him. So that's one example of Scripture sometimes that leaves leaves you like, well, what happens? And even in the way that 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 parable is written, there's even a meter that happens that you can look at. The the meter's not even there. There's something left off deliberately. And this is one of those times where, what could this mean? Why does it end like this? I think because the resolution comes in the fact that Jesus is the one who works wonders among the dead. Jesus is the one who declares praises among the dead. Jesus isn't just our hero. He is the one that came into the world and lived a life of suffering. He lived a life that the he-man was living. receives the wrath of God upon him in our place. He rises up from the dead. There is a resurrection. There is wonder to be had at the resurrection of thinking that Jesus has risen from the dead. When I share the gospel with college students, the thing that I often forget, that I remind myself, do not forget to tell them And y'all say, how can you forget this? I'll share with them, this is who you are. This is what Jesus has done. He's died on the cross for you. He lived a life that you can't live. He's received the wrath in your place. You need to trust Him. Not your works, not your actions, but sometimes I forget to say, and He's alive. He rose from the dead. It's not just the work He did on earth. It's not just that He died on the cross, but He rose from the dead. Jesus rose up out of the dead. And He wants to speak to those of us that are in this type of pain, this type of hurting, and say, yes, I am the God of your salvation. You may not taste it right now. You may not see it right now. It may be years. It may not be until you see me face to face. But brother He-Man right now, I think, wants to tell us this. If he could, if he could, if he could get on a microphone from heaven and say, well, let me tell you what is true. I think he would say this. I think he'd say, this is my resolve. This is what I have found to be true. These are God's prayers. These are God's answers to my prayers. Jesus is now my soul's relief as I see him face to face. Jesus is my strength that never wearies. Jesus is my comfort. There's something weird about heaven when I think about the word comfort because comfort usually is because I'm uncomfortable. 
and then I get comforted. And we're about to enter into eternity, those of us who are believers. We will always have comfort. But I think there's going to be a miraculous thing that God allows us to do is to remember what it's like that we are second by second being comforted. Jesus was his hope revealed. Jesus is his continual wonder. Jesus is his realized salvation. Jesus is his wrath absorber. He sees it clearly. Jesus is his righteousness. His friend who will never leave. His king who answers him with audible conversation and hugs and fist bumps and laughter. Day and night, he praises Jesus. Jesus is his song. Jesus is his anthem. Jesus is our anthem. I almost changed this passage, not the passage, but I almost changed not preaching on it. How in the world would we close? Why would we close a psalm series on the most depressing thing? And I believe that God wanted to say, Mark, resurrection. Resurrection. I think God wanted to remind me that He makes all things new. I think He wanted to remind me that He he is to be our place of hope. And at the same time, He wanted to remind me that there's a lot of people that are hurting more than I can understand that need our prayers. Jesus is alive. There is resurrection power. We're not going to read this whole passage. Uh, Adam, we're going to do 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to actually start at verse 20. It's okay if there's more verses up there. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall be made alive. Christ has been raised up. This is in a response from a question of Paul making a statement. If there is no resurrection from the dead, we among all people should be pitied. The life that we live as Christians, the sacrifices we make, we should be pitied if there is no resurrection from the dead. It would be a worthless sacrifice. But Jesus says, Paul says, but Christ has risen from the dead. And so we give, and we give, and we go into darkness, and we pray, and we ask for light. So worship team, if you would start to come up. We're going to close out our anthem series. I think it's appropriate for us to follow our brother's posture. So the posture is prayer. So the sermon could continue on on how to pray. Luke has done a great job with that over the years. In DNA groups, our, uh, our smaller groups of, of women getting together and sharing lives and pain and sorrow and celebrations, get together, we pray together. Our calm groups, our community on mission, we get together and we pray together. And we need to keep learning about prayer. There's many good books on prayer. But I want us to actually pray together. I want us to take a posture 
of prayer. For to extend it horizontally to one another, praying for one another, taking a time to, to ask God to show us who He is. I just want to testify briefly to the power of prayer and then we're going to worship and sing together. Back in 1989, when I was in high school, there was a group of us. There was a group of us that would get together. Somebody's mom would order pizza, and we would pray. Because our youth pastor challenged us to pray. Pray for your school. Pray for your friends. And we went to three different high schools. So we didn't see you at the pole. I didn't see him at the flagpole to pray, which is a good thing. Not that I didn't see him, but the flat, see at the pole is a good thing. But we would get together in a living room, and we would pray for each other. We would pray for our schools. We would pray for the future. We would pray for our future marriages. And I look back at that time, and I see answered prayers from that time in my life and in my friends' lives. And I remember those, those times of trouble that we went through and I see God's hand of mercy along the way. And I see with different friends the depths of trouble and pain, miscarriages, problems. I could, I could list them out and how God has showed up in their lives. I can mention one family right now that I, I feel like they might feel closer to Psalm 88 right now. So don't go get your kids right now. We're going to sing two songs and pray, and then I'll let you know when it's time to go get your children. So worship team, come on out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us through this time. So what we're going to do, we're going to sing a song, and then I'm going to let you know how to pray. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, and then we're going to sing a song, He is Worthy. God, I pray right now, Father, that You would you would help us to be a church that comes to you on our knees, on our faces, on our backs, when we have great strength, when we're down in the depths, Father. God, let us see that you do not change. You are here for us. God, Father, this side of the cross, help us understand that you're clearly your wrath is not upon us. You haven't abandoned us to, to the depths. You do hear our cries. You are for us. But God, there's a, there's a depth of depression that, that I'm not familiar with, that I can't speak into, that I don't understand. But there's people in this room that do understand that. Father, would you, would you help them? Maybe even restore tears to their eyes as a step. But Father, would your sunshine come in? A ray of hope, a ray a ray of deeper desire for you. Father, may we see that there is an empty tomb. That death has no place in our lives anymore because Jesus, you have taken our place and you are alive. And Jesus, help us to confess now during this time of confession that you are worthy. It's broken.
question, of course he takes her <laughs> to be his wedded wife, right? But there's this, there's a power, pardon, in asking that question and thinking about it and taking it to heart and affirming. It's an affirmation. Yes, I do believe that. I know that that is the truth. And faith sometimes comes by hearing as we sing these things. And and I want to, um, do you mind putting the chorus up for us? Because this can be something, I'm seeing a lot of new faces. And um, I think that whenever we talk about scrolls, but you'll see it says, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? And this is straight out of Revelation. And the reason we're singing this is because we're talking about the, the resurrection. It's an exciting thing. In Revelation 5, it talks about, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And no one was worthy to open that scroll. In verse 6, it says, then I saw a lamb. We're talking about Jesus. And because of his resurrection, it says, looking as if he had been slain, the lamb of God slain for us, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures, and he went, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. We skip down, and it says, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So as we sing this, Typically, our lights are out, and we're going to have a little bit of time where we are singing together, like the Bible says, in psalms and um, hymns and spiritual songs. But we're responding, but then we're singing this together. As we sing, we get to this chorus. This is a celebration of the saints celebrating the Lamb of God who is slain and resurrected. Okay, we can go ahead and go back to that first verse. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. It is. 
Let's continue with just a spirit of adoration now. We're confessing that He is worthy. So we're going to do just a simple thing right now. Just as a church, I want a good bit of you to to say these things. God is, and then fill in the blank. It could be one word, it could be two words. For example, one of you might say, actually, I want you to say, God, you are. God is. You are good. Just a few of us just want us to think of things of praise and adoration to God. Somebody start us with that. God, you are 
ask one person to pray for our families. So just one person, just, just pray. Pray for our families, whatever comes to your mind. But just pray. Pray for the family right here, but for in particular, our, our families.
desire for our families to know the holiness of God, the goodness of God, God's salvation, the life of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. We desire for schools. We desire for the universities. We desire for Knoxville to know Jesus. I've asked three, three men to read through Psalm 67 and, and pray that. So those guys, Ben, Daryl, and Chaz, be ready for that here in a second. But God desires for the nations to know Him. The whole world to know Him. And that's, that's a task that, that Christ is committed to. And He's going to see that through. So men, would you, would you read those passages and pray for us?
So we want to have a responsive reading. So if you'd look up here to the screen, I'll read something where it says pastor, and then we all read where it says response. Let us join our voices to praise the spotless Lamb, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us from sin and death. We, whom He has redeemed, will sing praises and shout for joy this hour. Because in Christ the Lamb, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of His grace, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Let us praise Him by saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, we give worship this hour and forever and ever. Amen. So during this time, you go get your children, and we're going to enter into a time of continued praise. Praise God for who He is. Uh, invite you, if you're a believer, to, to take communion with your families. If you're new here, we have communion tables at the back. Uh, we would just ask, we, we reserve that for those of you that are believers, because we would rather you take Christ today than uh, bread and juice. Uh, but the communion today, as you go to the back, remember, remember that we're remembering a risen Lord. Christ has risen from the dead. He loves us and cares for us and wants to lift us up.
Sin away. Oh. 
you. We thank you that we can say that, that we can declare that we are not the same as the day that you pulled us out of that miry clay. And we celebrate. It is because of what you have done on the cross, what you have overcome in sin and death, that we can say that. Bless your name. take very long, but you, you're not going to want to stand through it. How about that? Hey, if you've got a baby you're dedicating, go ahead and come on up. It's baby day. Very excited about this. We only have 32 babies we're dedicating today. Not really. We just have three. I'm very excited about this. Go ahead and come on up. This is just an opportunity for us to witness these parents just confess their love for their kids and then confess their, I guess, conviction to raise them under the admonition of the Lord. And so we dedicate these kids as part of a worship service because this is a worshipful activity. You guys go ahead and come on down. You don't have to stand way over there. Because this is a piece of worship. This is how we worship as a people of God. So what we're going to do is they're going to read a scripture over their child and they're going to speak and just pray for a second, but it's probably important for me to tell you what this is not, okay? This can be confusing if you've never seen one of these. We are not baptizing these kiddos. They are not becoming Christians in this moment. They're all little sinners. You see them? All dressed up in pretty dresses. I mean, look at this one. That one's never sinned ever, huh? Look at that. Yeah, I know they have. So, not a baptism, no one's becoming a Christian today, but this is a simple moment for us to commit as a church family to help raise these kids by coming alongside them and help the parents as they, as they fulfill the charge as parents to love them under God's care. If, if you're curious, by the way, if this is new to you, where you would see something like this in the Bible, what you got your phone out for over there? You getting ready? Good, you're first, man. All right. <laughs> Um, you can look at the story of Jesus and Samuel. They were actually, they, they had a dedication situation as well in their lives when they were little kiddos. And so you can always look that up uh, in the Bible. But I'm going to go ahead and give this to Jeff Rowland. You have to, okay, let me tell you how you do this. You're going to introduce your baby, all right, the full name, first, middle, and last, because everyone wants to know middle names. And then go ahead and read the scripture, and then it's open mic after that. What about my wife? Yes. Introduce her? Yes, go ahead. Okay, hi, I'm Jeff. This is my bride, Brittany, and our little baby who just woke up, Blair Evelyn Rowland. Uh, she is, you have to say the age? Uh, almost five months old. She looks like she's nine months. Uh, we're just thankful that she's healthy. Um, we're thankful that she's healthy. And uh, she has not missed a meal yet, and we just love her. She's a great blessing. Um, John 3, 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my child or children are walking in the truth. We just want to raise her. Uh, <laughs> we just want to raise her to be... Uh, just a God-loving woman, uh, to have confidence, to have, uh, to be patient, to, yeah, compassionate, um, have joy, love, 
She is really patient with us as we are five-month-old parents, and uh, I just love her. Hi, I'm uh, David Ria. This is my wife, Amy, and uh, our lovely Nora Jean Ria. Um, she's brought a lot of joy into our lives, and we feel so blessed by her and the challenges and the, the joy that she, she brings. Um, two verses that uh, came to mind as we were praying and thinking over uh, to say were um, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. And also 2 Corinthians 12.10, Therefore I am well content with weakness, weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. So our prayer was, Father, thank you for bringing Nora into our lives. She has brought so much joy and challenge that you are using to shape her and us into your perfect will. Thank you for the peace in our hearts, for knowing you are good, perfect, and do not change. We ask that you would gift Nora with great wisdom and discernment, that she would know your word well and understand it deeply by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that early in her life, you gift her with the ability to have joy in serving and suffering for your sake. We pray that she is the light and the woman of honor that her name means. Thank you. Hi, I'm David. This is my lovely bride, Amber, and our little man, Dakota Lee Person. And uh, we just want him to have compassion. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Above all these, put on the love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And we also want Cody to be a servant. Mark 10, 43 through 45 says, But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And our prayer for Dakota is we are thankful for Dakota for creating him and having a plan for his life. Thank you for, sorry, uh, thank you for entrusting him to us. And we ask that you will enable us to raise him for you. We ask that you would hold his heart and serve and save him at an early age, that he would grow to be a servant, the same as Christ served, and that he would be full of compassion and love for the lost and for his family in Christ. May you keep him from the evil one and keep his heart soft towards you. All right, hey, just a, some quick questions for you as parents. And all you have to do is answer by saying, I do. Are we ready for this? All right. By the grace of God found in Christ alone, do you affirm that you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might? Do you promise to teach the commands of God diligently to your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise? 
Do you promise to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture regularly to your children? Do you promise to pray regularly for your children, asking that God would grant them repentance and faith in Christ? And do you promise to forsake all worldly goals for your children, desiring primarily that they become mature Christians growing in love for and service to Christ? Great, great. All right, body, this is where I'm going to recruit you into this moment. I'm going to read a scripture over you, and then I've got some vows for you as well. This is out of Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to my words out of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a new, a new law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. These are the vows I have for you, and just like we said, if you're a partner at, at Legacy or maybe a family member that came to see one of these beautiful babies get dedicated, this would be your opportunity to say, I do. Do you promise to support these families in their God-given task of raising their children to know and fear the Lord? All right. Do you promise to help teach these children to set their hope in God, remember his works, and keep his commandments? Good. Do you promise to model faithfulness to God with your life such that they would have tangible representations of God's grace in the local church? And do you promise to hold these parents accountable for raising their children to know and fear the Lord? See, that wasn't so hard, was it? No, this is a beautiful moment. You guys, you did a great job. Thank you so much for letting us as a church take part in something like this. We love you very much. Very proud of you. Thank you very much for this. All right, give them a hand. Um, <clears throat> Rebecca has a book for you guys just to help kind of with parenting. I mean, you could have 19 books, and let me just be honest. You're still not going to know what to do, but it will be helpful, okay? <laughs> All right, go ahead. In church, go ahead and stand up with me. I've only got one announcement, and then you need to shake these guys' hands and pinch some baby cheeks before you leave. <laughs>